You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning to you all. My name's um, Devin. Um, I'm one of the pastors at Cross Culture, which is um, church in the city. And uh, it's really great to be with you all again. Uh, I don't think I've yeah visited for a little bit. Um, so I just thought I'd... Um, let, let you know kind of where we are. We've been going through the book of Ezekiel together. Um, and so we're just past the halfway mark um, in our series now. Um, so let me just see if this is working. Great. So just to give you um, just a bit of an overview, to remember again what we're doing here is Ezekiel is speaking to exiles. So these are Jewish exiles who have been conquered by Babylon and taken away to their foreign land there. Um, So um, that's what we've been looking at each week. And today marks a really key moment in the book. Um, We'll be looking at chapter 34 that Mario read for us before. But um, just before that, in chapter 33, it's a big turning point in the book because um, in chapter 33, Ezekiel gets word that Jerusalem has fallen and the temple's been destroyed. And so, of course, this is the big kind of turning point in the book where Um, Ezekiel's been warning um, the exiles that this is going to happen. And so now that it has happened, what will he say to them? And that's what we'll look at today. And we'll see that Ezekiel's role is going to change a little bit. Um, His task as a prophet will be, um, will kind of shift from um, announcing judgment to actually anticipating hope. Uh, So that's what we're going to see today, that um, as Ezekiel encourages and ushers in hope to his people, he's going to start with their leaders. Um, So let's pray as we get into chapter 34. Um, Lord, um, incline our hearts to your word today. Uh, Lord, turn our eyes away from worthless things and give us life in your ways. Amen. Um, Nothing hurts the church more uh, than a good scandal. Um, You might have noticed over the last few years that Uh, the public's confidence in the church and its leaders has eroded. Um, And maybe eroded is too soft a term. It's crumbled before our eyes. Um, Once upon a time, the two most trusted professions in society were the medical doctor and the Christian minister. And well, today, if you look at that chart, you'll see doctors are still considered number one. So well done to all of you that are doctors. Um, But I'm sure you're not surprised that being a Christian minister is now way down the list. Um, Christian leaders and churches no longer carry the same level of trust and confidence in our community. And haven't we just seen that in the past week? Um, More recently, you might have heard of Christian leaders who've been involved in a scandal and have had to step down from leadership. Um, And the media has brutally exposed many of the moral failings of pastors and leaders. Uh, Maybe these were people that you looked up to. You might have read their books, listened to their sermons. And to see leaders like this caught up in a scandal can be pretty discouraging for our faith. Um, It can be pretty damaging for the witness of the church. Um, You may remember the Royal Commission a few years ago as well, further exposed scandals and failings of religious institutions. And in particular, uh, the spotlight was on the failings of religious leaders and ministers to protect the vulnerable in their community. 
And so it goes without saying then that one of the key reasons people dislike Christianity is actually not because they have a problem with Jesus. It's because they've become disillusioned with the church and have had negative experiences of leadership within the church. Um, and even as I speak, maybe you, you can recall people who in your lives that have been deeply hurt by the church. And maybe now they've turned their, their backs on their faith altogether. This is where we are. And so this is the question. How do we as Christians today actually regain confidence in our leaders and, and in the church in, a, in an age where we've become so suspicious of institutions and leadership and power? Uh, well, God gives us a metaphor. Um, he gives us a metaphor that we need to preserve and protect. Um, he gives us the beautiful picture of what redeeming leadership should look like. And it's the picture of a shepherd. Um, I wonder, as, as Mario read that passage for us, you might have noticed that this shepherd imagery runs all the way through chapter 34. Uh, why is that? It's because God's vision for leadership has, a, has much in common with the role of a shepherd. Um, in the Bible, Israel's kings and leaders are described as shepherds. Uh, if you look at 2 Samuel 5, King David, the, 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 um, the archetypal king of the Old Testament, is described as a shepherd king. And so the role of the king was to feed and protect the sheep, the people entrusted to his care. Um, now, when you hear this word shepherd, I wonder what comes through your mind as, as you hear that word. Uh, you might think of a picture like this of a gentle, mild-mannered person um, surrounded by sheep that are grazing in a lush valley. Um, but that's actually only part of the picture. Because um, shepherds were also guardians. They were fierce protectors of the sheep. Uh, shepherds must fiercely defend their, their sheep against predators, against foxes and wolves. But whether it's with gentleness or ferocity, the actions of a shepherd are always governed by their care and concern for the sheep. That's the beauty of the shepherd imagery. The gentleness or the ferocity of the shepherd is always driven by their love for the sheep. And so when God speaks to his sheep, his people here who are devastated by the loss of their city, how is he going to bring them hope? Well, He's going to start with where the problem began. He'll start by exposing the failings of their shepherds. Uh, verse 1, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Why? Because Israel's shepherds have failed their sheep. Uh, you'll see verse 2, instead of feeding the sheep, the shepherds have fed only themselves. They've misused their power for their own gain. Um, in verse 4, you kind of get a sense of what shepherds and leaders should be doing. Their job is to strengthen the weak, to bring back the lost. The, the job of the leader here is to protect and care for the most vulnerable in their society. But you see, they've done none of that. The, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the lost you have not sought. No, instead of caring gently for the sheep... God says it's with force, it's with harshness that you've ruled them. 
Remember, all the way back in, in Deuteronomy, uh, it shows us what, that the kings are responsible for the welfare of the nation. And God gives very clear expectations of what a king should be like. He says that he mustn't acquire many horses for himself, mustn't acquire many wives or silver or gold. You see, his job is not to feed himself. But instead, the king was to meditate day and night on God's word. To feed the people with the word of God and lead them into righteousness. But you see, for the last 400 years, the kings, the shepherds of Judah have done the opposite. They've neglected God's word. They've led Israel into idolatry and injustice. You see, they've used their power to exploit their people. Um, it was the case back then, and it's actually still the case today that the state of the leader determines the state of the nation. The state of the leader determines the state of the nation. And even today, we, we have countless examples of leaders in, in our world who live in opulence, who live in luxury while their people suffer. There are examples of nations that have been led to economic ruin and poverty at the hands of corrupt leaders, leaders who have embezzled funds, um, who've stripped away resources from those who needed it. I wonder, doesn't it make your heart grieve when you read about these things in the news? We hate, we hate it. And God hates it too. Uh, much of the Old Testament can be summarized by this statement. As the kings go, so does the nation. And here it's the same in, in verse 5. Because of bad shepherds, the sheep are scattered. The sheep are scattered in disunity as, as, as their kingdom divides in two. And the sheep will be scattered in exile as they're taken away to Babylon. That's what we've seen. Isn't it devastating that the sheep need rescuing even from their own shepherds? These are the people whose, whose job it is to make you feel safe. And I want you to see here that God is presenting Israel's enemies as actually not just external to the community, but internal to their community. And so God says, actually, the destruction of the temple is actually an internal failure. It's the failure of leaders within Israel to protect and care for their own. Um, I'm sure at a personal level as well, we've we may have all felt the devastating effects of harsh leadership in our lives. Um, you might recall a, a boss at work that demeaned you or maybe criticized you in front of your co-workers. Uh, maybe you can remember a, a school teacher that might have picked on you, might have embarrassed you when you were young for no reason. Or maybe you can remember a, a harsh Christian leader or a Christian minister who treated you unfairly, who took advantage of you instead of caring for your welfare. You know, we hate it. And God hates it too. Why? Why does he hate it? Because of this repetition that we see all the way through in verse 5, 6, 8, 10. All the way through this passage, God refers to the people as my sheep. We are his sheep. He, he loves us. And so God is furious when shepherds neglect and harm his treasured possession. And I want you to see that actually God gave, um, gave us shepherds that would represent him. 
shepherds that would rule and care on his behalf so that actually when we looked at our shepherds and our leaders in our community, we would get an appreciation of who God is as our shepherd. And and so it's not surprising then that um, corrupt leaders, selfish church leaders can have such a damaging effect on our views of God himself. Um, and so in verse 10, God delivers his verdict against these shepherds. He says, because you fed yourselves, he says, I am against the shepherds. You see, God treats bad leaders as his enemies. He will put a stop to them. You know, sometimes we might uh, think about the actions of oppressive leaders in our world or in our lives today, and we kind of think to ourselves, what's the point? They're just going to get away with it like they always do. Uh, But the good news is here that we are his sheep and it's God's love and concern for his sheep that's going to drive him to ruthlessly expose and remove bad leadership. And, And so actually this passage is about hope because whether they get away with it in this life or not, God says every leader is going to be exposed. Every leader will give an account before God and will be held responsible for the sheep in their care. Um, What I found really interesting about um, Australian politics over the last few years is how public sentiment has so dramatically shifted across our leaders. Um, And so when a new leader is appointed, the public opinion is very positive. Um, With every campaign, we get a new slogan Um, We've had, let's stick together, a stronger Australia, moving Australia forward. And who could forget that classic slogan, Kevin 07. Do you guys remember Kevin 07? It's a really strange election slogan. Uh, But you see, with each election cycle that we go through, we're, we're promised a better future of unity and progress. There's hope. But no, eventually, if the leader sticks around for long enough... Um, Public sentiment fades very quickly. Their decisions are scrutinized more than ever. Um, We demand change. And it's why in Australia we've had six prime ministers in the last 10 years. Six prime ministers in the last 10 years. Does anything really change? And so as God removes corrupt leadership, I, I mean, the question is, I mean, isn't this just been how things have been for the last 400 years? Does anything really change? And so for God to really bring hope here, he can't just expose and remove bad leaders. He needs to restore a good leader, a good shepherd. Um, And in, in, in verse 11, God says, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Um, Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And and I want you to see through all this next section, you'll see this repeated phrase, I will. And so God's reminding us that even as human leaders fail us, who fail time and time again to keep their promises, God will enter into our world as our shepherd. Um, And now in verse 12, we see where the sheep were scattered. Actually, God will seek them out. The image is of a shepherd going out into the darkness to go out to the most hurting, to the most lost, and bring them home. 
uh, verse 14, where uh, the, the sheep were exploited, he will now feed them. It's this language of nurture, of provision, where God feeds his people by his word. Uh, verse 16, where, where the sheep were mistreated, he will protect them. He says he will bind up the injured, strengthen the weak. Do you see where we are too, um, where we are too helpless to rescue ourselves? God himself steps in. God himself will intervene. And I wonder if this reminds you of a psalm. The most famous psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you see how God's making good on that promise? And so maybe, um, yeah, we, we sometimes come in to church today. Maybe you're, you're feeling a little bit lost. Um, sometimes in life, our, our life can lack direction and we can feel like we lack purpose. And so sometimes we, we feel in our lives that maybe we are like sheep without a shepherd. And actually, on one level, we should all feel that because the way that God's created us is that we are hardwired to follow something or someone. It's why we latch on to leaders in our lives. That's how we were made to follow someone. And actually, so regardless of what role we play in society, we actually all need someone to seek us out and to bring us back home. Uh, and in verse 17, God says, actually, the good shepherd will one day restore justice to all people. He'll distinguish between those who are his and those who are not. He comes here in judgment as well, because remember, his task as shepherd is not just to deal with people gently, but to defend them fiercely. And so even as the shepherd, uh, even as the sheep, we, we can't just turn around and blame our leaders either. Um, but no, we are all held accountable for how we treat others and how we use our power. And so even as where sheep have exploited other sheep in the community, God will judge them. Do you see that a good shepherd must be gentle, but also firm at the same time? It's a huge task, isn't it? This task that God's putting forward of judgment and rescue. But in verse 23, God says it'll be the task of one person. He says, one shepherd, my servant David. And so we look forward to this, to the promise of, of someone coming in the line of King David, who would be a good shepherd unlike any before. And so I want you to see how Jesus connects to this. Because as Jesus comes, you'll remember he comes in the line of David. And you, you might recall that Jesus himself deliberately takes up the language of a shepherd and applies it to himself. Do you see he's taking the Ezekiel imagery and he's saying, this is me. Uh, chapter 9, as Jesus sees the crowds, what does he do? He's moved to compassion because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, that's what's happening in Ezekiel. And Jesus in his ministry, he's the one that healed the sick. He's the one that um, bound up the wounded. You'll remember Luke 15, that Jesus is the shepherd that leaves the 99 behind to seek out the lost sheep. That's what he does. His job is to gather lost sheep and bring them home rejoicing. And then finally, John 10, Jesus says, undeniably, I am the good Shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
And so I want you to see this contrast here that where human shepherds only use power for themselves, Jesus, as our good shepherd, uses his power. He lays down his entire life for us. He's everything Ezekiel prophesied. And ultimately, isn't the cross the place that we look to where the weak are strengthened? Where people who can't save themselves are brought back home? The cross is where the hungry are fed with with the riches of eternal life and where the sick are healed from their sin, where the lost, those who have walked far away from him, are brought back into relationship with him. And so in verse 30 then, God says, After I save them, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and they are my people. See, God's glory here is revealed not just through the greatness of his power, but actually the riches of his grace, his gentleness, his protection. All right. So um, in this last section with you guys, we've, we've looked a little bit at Ezekiel 34. I, I want to look together at how this passage could shape the way that we think about leadership and authority in the church. Um, First, we need to acknowledge, we need to lament the harsh impacts of of abusive leadership that may have occurred in churches. We can't ignore that. We need to beware of harsh leadership. Because maybe you yourself have personally felt the impact of harsh leadership in your life. Uh, Perhaps there were leaders in life that weren't good shepherds to you and actually in the past may have taken advantage of you. And so we actually need to acknowledge together and we need to grieve at how authority and power may have been misused. Um, How it may have been misused in selfish and destructive ways. And of course, these these things might have happened many years ago, but they can still leave a deep and lasting impression on our lives. And that shouldn't have happened. And God is angered by that. That's what we've seen. Um, Even pastors in in the church today are described in the New Testament as shepherds too, aren't they? And so we need to be very aware of the pitfalls that come with leadership, whether a pastor or any leadership within the church. Um, Actually, more recently, there's been articles and podcasts that have highlighted the dangers of power and influence in ministry. And many of actually the, the recent scandals in the church have been because of leaders who have acted like bullies. They've, they've abused their flock. And the reality is, is that if you've been a leader before, you'll know that people open themselves up to your care. People will place their trust in you. It, it's an incredible privilege, isn't it? But it's also a heavy responsibility. Um, when I left my previous church to start serving at Cross Culture, uh, my old pastor gave me this book. Um, It's called Dangerous Calling, um, Confronting the Unique Challenges of Pastoral Ministry. It's a book that um, tries to expose some of the pitfalls and dangers of ministry and leadership in the church. Uh, It's a great book, but what's really tragic about this book is on the back cover, Um, It's endorsed by five public Christian leaders. 
But the really sad thing is that three of the five public Christian leaders endorsing this book, a book that highlights the dangers of gospel ministry, have actually fallen out of ministry themselves. They've had a public fallout because of issues of character. It's, isn't it tragically ironic? Isn't it really scary that you can read a book like that, you can endorse it, and you can do everything it says not to do? And so actually the danger here is that we would look at this passage and we would think that actually oh, that'll never be me because I'm not like that. But actually, that's the most dangerous place we could be. Because as we've seen today, that humans are flawed and sinful and we are drawn to power. Um, someone once said that pastors are hired for their competence, but fired for their character. Isn't that sad? And so as a church, as churches... We, we, Churches need to realign our cultures back to the Bible to hire and appoint leaders based on their character. Uh, And so together we need to lament, we need to beware of harsh leadership, not just out there actually, but actually in our hearts. And so maybe we need to acknowledge some of the times that we might have misused our power in the past. Um, And so maybe today is a day we need to acknowledge that for the Lord and to seek forgiveness and healing from that, even in ourselves. Um, so first, I want, uh, we need to beware of harsh leadership, but actually in, in this last point, I, I want us to still see the need to embrace good leadership. Because um, as you hear all of what we've said, we need to be really careful not to throw out authority altogether. Um, The solution to bad leadership isn't to give up on leadership. It's not to give up on authorities or institutions or the church. Um, You may know people that have been hurt by the church and have given up on the church altogether. Uh, Maybe that's something you've wrestled with in the past or you're even thinking about now. And sometimes it just makes us skeptical. Um, But I want you to see here in our passage today, that authority itself isn't evil. Because notice that even as God promises here to care for his people, he's still going to do it through a shepherd. He will still do it through a leader. And so the solution isn't to get rid of the church or to get rid of shepherding altogether, but actually, no, we need to work hard at restoring a good culture of shepherding and leadership. So I want to encourage you guys, don't give up on the church. It's God's means of loving you, of caring for you as your good shepherd. And so um, leaders and pastors pastors today are, are still called to shepherd the flock. And so that will mean that leaders at times will need to be very gentle. They will need to be very gentle with you or those who are hurting, who are having a hard time. But also that might mean that leaders at times will need to be stern. They'll need to be firm with you to encourage you and and correct you when you've strayed or or to defend others when they're being hurt. I want you to see that the role of shepherding hasn't changed. There will be times when shepherds must still gently engage and firmly engage. 
But whether it's with gentleness or firmness, it's always the same. Everything must be done in service of the sheep. All our actions must be driven by our love for the church, for our sheep. Um, 2 Samuel 23. Um, I, want, I, want to, I want you to see here the beauty of leadership and authority when it's used well. Uh, King David says, The God of Israel has spoken. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like a morning light, like sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout from the earth. And so I want to encourage you guys today, don't give up on the church. Because authority, when it's used well, enables us to flourish and grow, just like how teams flourish with a good coach. Just like how homes flourish with good parents. Just like how a workplace flourishes with a good boss and a church with a good pastor. So please pray for your leaders. Leaders need your prayers. Um, leaders, I think we want to be leaders that are patterned after Jesus, that are shaped by the cross. And um, I think your leaders want to model for you a really deeply personal and relational ministry where you're known and loved, where they're accessible for you. And we say all this because God's given us this beautiful metaphor, a beautiful metaphor that we need to continue to preserve and protect. And it's, it's this picture of faithfully shepherding the flock of God that he has bought with his own blood. So let's pray. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And so, Lord, now we, we lament the, the failures of leaders to act as good shepherds. Lord, we're sorry as leaders for times when we don't care for your sheep as we should. Uh, but Lord, we th uh, thank you that you still make the task of leadership worth all the pain and danger and sacrifice. And so Lord, as your sheep, help us to not give up on your church, uh, but to continue embracing good leadership that is shaped by the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen.